Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battles for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, Mike, one of those guys that started racing early in life. You know what I mean? We've had that conversation before. His family owning Ransomville Speedway in western New York. He was the 2012, 2013, 14, and 15 modified track champion at Fonda Speedway in New York. A top competitor in the Super Dirt Series and World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series, winning over 230 career races by the end of 2017. He competes full-time in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, driving the number 52 Toyota Tundra for Hallmark Freeze and Racing. He's run 139 races over eight years, three wins, 72 top tens, and three poles. Welcome to the podcast, Stuart Freeze and Stuart. Say hi to Mike Wallace. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Well, we're doing really well, Stuart. Thanks for coming on. You are the, uh, if I may compliment you in this way, you're the Northeast legend, aren't you? Well, uh, I don't know about all that. I guess, I guess I'm getting a little older than I, than I feel. Yeah. Uh, if you're a legend, if you qualify for legend status, yeah, you're right, Stuart. That means you're old. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, 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 maybe the uh, maybe I said legend. Maybe I mean superstar in that area. There you go. You know, not only in the uh, Northeast Modifieds, which are, man, those are some incredible wild beast animals up there, Jeff. And uh, big, big series in Northeast. But he's come down and he's conquered the truck series. We say come down. Why? I don't know why they always say move down. I guess we're. Well, it moved south, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you race up north, and then if you want to hook up with NASCAR, you gotta gotta come south. Yeah. So str- that's it. You gotta have some roots in that in that Mooresville area, that's for sure. There you go. Yeah, without a doubt. So the one thing that's fun about our show is that uh, we tell who do we tell Jeff about our show? The whole world is <laughs> listening. Stuart, by the way, the whole world listens to this podcast. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Don't be nervous. Don't like, be nervous. I, like I said, it, it, it's an honor to be on with you guys. This is, this is cool. It's yeah. going to be fun. So what we try to do is, you know, you got a lot of fans out there. I mean, thousands and thousands of fans that, that love Stuart Friesen, admire all the, the versatility of your driving from the modifieds to the super late models to the truck series and winning and everything you, you've got into. 
but no, a lot of people don't know your backstory. And the backstory means where'd you come from? How'd you end up in racing? And we found the best ways if you tell us the story. So take us back as far as you can of, you know, when you were a kid and when, right before you got involved in motorsports. Wow. Uh, that's, that's a we, great question. We got, we got I'm, a I'm long time. To talk about that. <laughs> very, very cool. So I grew up um, like, like many, uh, you know, that, that I race with and, and many people in motorsports. I grew up in a racing family. Uh, so my, my family owned and promoted, uh, like you said, Ransomville Speedway in, in Western New York, um, which is, which is right on the border. It's right in the, the Niagara frontier, they call it, uh, just North of Niagara Falls. And, you know, my family is, is, we're Canadians. So we grew up, you know, I grew up on the Canadian side of the border, uh, but spent a lot of time at Ransomville, which was obviously on the American side. You know, it was only a 20 minute drive, uh, depending on border traffic, uh, to the track every day with, with my dad and my, my grandpa and my uncles and, and my cousins. And, um, you know, that's what we did from, from April to, uh, end of September. We, we, we ran the track and, uh, it was just a lot of fun to go to work every day with my cousins, whether we were, you know, cleaning the shit houses or picking up the garbage after a Friday night race or, uh, you know, mowing the grass, painting the wall, um, you know, all the stuff that, that came with, uh, getting that track ready to go from, from one week to the next, uh, just like a race team, you know, you gotta, you gotta maintain your car during the week. Um, it's no different with, with a, with a facility. And, you know, we did, um, did all of it, you know, it was just a, a family business. Uh, my grandfather got into it in the late sixties. He, uh, he had a, he had a dry cleaning business and <laughs> decided to sell that. And he started racing himself and, and bought Merrittville Speedway, which is on the Canadian side. Uh, him and a partner, Kurt Ewell, which, which who had a, uh, alignment shop. And, um, you know, they raced together and then they went into the promotional business, uh, together. And, you know, by the time I was born in 83, they were, they were pretty much, uh, well-established. You know, my grandfather had raced a lot of, you know, the coops and coaches, uh, you know, the Northeast Modifieds, how they started. So, uh, pops did a lot of traveling, you know, throughout New York and was pretty like, like I said, but by the time I came along, he was, he was pretty well known and, uh, and, and had his foot, you know, firmly in the door on the promotional side of it. And that's, uh, that's kind of how we, we got started. So. A funny, I, I try to be funny now and then. I don't know if it is, is or right? not, right? No. <laughs> so he said he was in dry clean business, I guess, before a promoter. He laundered money, huh? Oh! Uh, yeah, right. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think you know, he, he's no longer with us. But I think if you, he would have had it back, he might have, uh, you know, maybe stayed in the dry cleaning business and not and not got right out of it. So, uh, you know, having that, that guaranteed uh, income of, of a regular business uh, as opposed to the, the speedway, um, is a little bit more stability there, you know. So Tip of the sometimes, hat you know, like like you know, Clean sometimes racing is good. Sometimes, sometimes the, the track would do good, and sometimes it wouldn't do so good. People so, don't realize. Uh, people don't realize to run a racetrack, you have to be a good promoter to run a successful racetrack. Anyway, I mean, you know, you know, you, you have to be all in, you know, and it's it's dependent on the weather. Um, you know, it's 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 tough. You know, you could have a great show, a big purse lined up, and you know, have a rainstorm come through and wash you out, and you know lose $25,000 or you can, you know, have a great event and, and, and make $25,000. That's, that's what kind of pops always said. He goes, the, the big ones, you're either going to lose a bunch or you're going to make a bunch, but that's, that's the risk of it. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? A friend of ours, we grew up in the St. Louis, Missouri area and a gentleman by the name of Kevin and Tammy Gundaker. They own Tri-City Speedway over in Granite City, Illinois. And they just, this past weekend, they had a big Lucas oil race scheduled to be there. 25,000 mm -hmm. a win. Weather came three to two days early, so they canceled all the races in there. Right, and it's yeah, like yeah. that's those are the races you count on making really good money on. You know, those are the ones that carry you for those weekly shows. And it, didn't, show, didn't, and it happen. didn't happen. I feel yeah. bad for them. But uh, so, Stuart, when that's you started, you're exactly it, right. Yeah, when you started working at the racetrack, what age were you? Oh boy! Um, I mean, a little kid or uh, without a getting teenage? involved in, in child labor laws, I think I was uh, eight, eight, nine, ten years old. As soon as I, I remember my grandfather um, putting a, a weed whacker on my shoulder with a strap and starting it and just saying go. So I couldn't start it; I could barely hold it. Um, and 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 he just said, "Go along this fence and just go till you run out of gas," because I couldn't, for the life of me, turn it off or even really hold it. Um, but that, I, I don't even know. I was probably eight, like I said, eight, nine, ten years old, something like that. Uh, it went from, uh, you know, trimming weeds to, to riding lawnmowers and tractors and mowing the parking lot and, um, just, just went from there. Well, that's incredible. I love that story. So you were literally brought up around the racetrack. You took care of the racetrack. And as it progressed, did you, did you continue to stay 
I'm sure, helping the racetrack. But when, when did you uh, think that you needed to be a driver? Or how did you end up? Was that the water truck or something maybe you got to drive? Or, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. I got, I got to run uh, got to run Packer cars. Um, I remember one day, uh, we, me and my cousin James were, were there, and he's a year younger than me. And we kind of grew up together, and we raced go-karts together. And we, we were probably, like I said, 10, 11 years old. You know, we'd been, been hanging around the track and working a little bit, um, you know, doing whatever we could for a couple years. And we were there, and it was midweek, and it was it was like a rainy day, and uh, couldn't get much done outside. My grandfather was uh, in the office talking on the phone, getting some you know some of that promotional work done, and we ventured out, and I knew how to start two of the Packer trucks, and we went across uh, from the grandstand side where the office was. We we ventured into the pit area, fired up two Packer trucks, and just started bombing around the pits. And and uh, I mean, our story was we were helping you know, get that, that pits packed in so they could get to the barn and the maintenance shed that was over on that side. Uh, but we were just pretty much racing them and, and running around the pits. And I remember my grandfather was so mad. By the time he figured out where we were, what we were doing, um, we got in pretty good trouble for that one. There you go. For the, for the average race fan that we all think and know what a Packer car is, what is a Packer car or a Packer truck? It is just an, an old truck. Uh, we, we had uh, I had a Ford F-150 custom cab with three on the tree, and it was just an old 70-something rusted-out pickup truck. And, and there was three or four of them, uh, a couple Broncos, a couple four-wheel drive, you know, just trucks, and that's what they would use to, to run the track in on Friday afternoons, you know, get the get the track, you know, water the shit out of it, uh, you know, and then just use these cars to, to run it in so it was ready for hot laps, you know, by 7 o'clock Friday night. So uh, that being said, when one of those broke down or, you know, one of me or my cousins, you know, messed one up, messing around during the week. Uh, you know, it took longer to run the track on Friday night. So they're uh, they're definitely a valuable, uh, you know, asset. You know, uh, you know, in the dirt racing uh, dirt racing world. So so as the uh, the racetrack prep and the uh, Packer truck technology came along, meaning you got to learn how to drive something. When was the first time you sat in your first type of race car, race truck, race? go-kart whatever it was or was go-karts before the working on the racetrack or when when did dirt racing first come into your your life yeah so i mean like i said we we grew up in it um my cousin james was a year younger than me and he's got two younger brothers i have a younger sister heather so there's there's five of us that were kind of you know at the track all the time and we're getting older and uh, my dad my uncle um built a go-kart track in the infield basically for us because we you know we wanted to race and and you know they were like okay that's that's the next thing to do and um with that a whole go-kart program you know developed which is which is still going strong to this day at ransomville so that was the early 90s uh probably 90 91 92 something like that i think i was eight or nine years old and you know we we uh they they started the the go-kart track uh you know kind of for us and then you know a whole bunch of other people started racing there too and and um we, we ran on Thursday night, so I think I was nine years old uh, when I got, got into my first cart and ran ran Ransomville's on, on, on Thursday nights in the summertime, and, uh, you know, that was the night before the big Friday night race, which, which you know, Ransomville still runs on Fridays, and the go-kart program still runs on, on Thursdays, and it's strong, but that was um, that was it. That's, that's where I got started. I think I was, like like I said, nine or ten years old in, in you know, dirt, dirt go-karts. Well, Jeff, there it is. There's another one of our guys that had a career before he before was 12. Before age 10, yeah. Yeah. We, Stuart, we make a joke, not a joke, it's a, it's a, it's a factual story today that uh, the age factor has changed a lot in racing. From... Go ahead and tell them the Kale Yarborough story. It's a great story. Oh, okay. Do it. So, so <laughs> 1990, I win the Winston Racing Series in the, the Mid-America Division. And uh-huh. uh, I go to Martinsville, and I run there. I finish well at Martinsville at the end of the year, took all that point fund money. So I'm trying to figure out – I'm envious of my two brothers rusty who's been a champion already kenny who's down there racing so i want to be a race car driver right so and this is before age become of a factor so i call the the great kale yarborough he's he's a car owner at this time he's got hardy's as a sponsor the number 28 i find him at his i'm in st louis i call him at Timmonsville Honda, that's the Cal Yarborough store. He answers, gets on the phone, answers, very, very polite, tells me everything, and says, man, it sounds like you're a good race car driver, blah, blah, blah. And we go on. He goes, by the, by the way, what age are you? And I go, uh, sir, I'm just 30 years old. He goes, ah, that's the problem. 
He says, I'm looking for somebody older with more maturity for my program. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <geez. laughs> so, so, 30, he's looking yeah, for somebody So, so older. I started my NASCAR, real NASCAR career down south at age 30, but I, according to Kel Yarbrough, I wasn't old enough and didn't have enough maturity for his program. So, And now guys like you, Stuart, are hopping in race cars when they're 10, 12 years old. Yeah. Whatever, you know? Well, yeah. That, I mean, that being said, I didn't start my NASCAR career until I was I was 32 or 33. So, okay. Um, it, it definitely took it took a little bit uh, between nine and thirty three to uh, you know get to the truck series. That's yeah. for sure. But it, it's so unique how uh, age is is such a factor anymore in racing. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just age or there's a checkbook attached to it normally. But it uh... well, you look at that. I mean, you know, I watched both races over the weekend. You look at the Xfinity series and they interview these drivers, and you look at he looks like he's fourteen years old. For <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, he probably is. Yeah. <laughs> So, Stuart, after the uh, as the go kart racing went on on Thursday nights, when and what was the opportunity uh, to start into some other division of cars? So yeah, for sure, the, the go karts. Um, you know, and we didn't travel, we didn't go all over and, and chase national karting. You know, we did some indoor racing in the wintertime, which is which is kind of big in New York um, at the Niagara Falls Convention Center and, and at the Syracuse Fairgrounds. They run a few indoor races in the wintertime. So that was, that was like our special traveling event where, where we could kind of see we stacked up and, um, that was, you know, a ton of fun, but from the, from the carts, um, we, we got into, uh, TQ, uh, three quarter midget, um, pavement racing, which was really, really cool. Um, and, and I learned probably more about racing in, in those years that I ran midgets, um, than anything else. It was just, uh, so we had Ransomville Speedway on Friday nights, um, and then my uncle, uh, who passed away a bunch of years ago in 96, so he was like the promotional wizard. He was he was the youngest uh, of my dad's two brothers, and he uh, got involved with Lancaster Speedway, which is a half-mile pavement facility uh, just outside Buffalo, New York. They had a drag strip, um, big, big pavement racetrack, so on Saturdays, Lancaster ran, so when we weren't at Ransomville, we'd be at, at Lancaster on Saturdays, and they had this, this three-quarter midget uh, division, which a couple of my grandfather's uh, buddies uh, fielded cars. And <clears throat> I was just, you know, begging them. You know, anybody who would listen, I, I wanted to drive one of these things, I thought. Hold that thought they, right there, St Stuart. Hold it that you wanted to let everybody know. Just going to take we'll, we'll take break. a time out. We're talking with NASCAR Truck Series driver Stuart Friesen back in the day, and we'll come back and talk some more. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. On the line with us today, Stuart Friesen. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Stuart, I rudely interrupted you as you were talking about the three quarters at Lancaster. And uh, first of all, what's a three quarter midget even? What do, what does that mean? So it's it's just it's not a full midget, uh, which is it's you know you see the kids running um, and guys uh, all over the country in USAC. So this is just a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller wheelbase. Runs on a, a 750cc uh, motorcycle engine at, at that time. Um, there was, you know, the, the air-cooled Suzuki's. And then uh, when I was getting started, the, the liquid-cooled Kawasaki's um, GSXR 750 motor was like the, the one you had to have, right? So um, I, was, I was begging and pleading uh, to get in one of those cars. Like I said, a couple of my grandfather's good buddies fielded cars and had, had some backups and stuff. So um, a gentleman by the name of, of Mel Rabb, had a car and went on vacation to Las Vegas, and it was like the day before. And uh, his buddy Hal Lawrence uh, had the car. called called my grandfather and said, "said We got a ride for Stewie. Um, Mel's in Vegas, but we're going to take his car and let Stuart run it, and you know, we just kind of see how I did." So uh, I was able to get into it, and uh, you know, just just picked it up pretty quick, and it was just a ton of fun racing these cars. So it's a it's a wingless midget, open wheel. Uh, they ran hard, like this Goodyear hockey puck spec right rear tire. So that so the thing was loose. Uh, it was it was really hard to hook up, and and just uh, I just learned a ton racing those cars. But got in that that first time, and and, and passed a bunch. I started in the back, passed a bunch of cars, and uh, earned earned a ride for the next next week. So Mel came back from Vegas. I didn't tear up his car. I think the battery died like halfway through the race, so we didn't finish. But did tear anything up, and uh, and the old boys, uh, I call it the old boys club that that owned these cars and, and and raced them. They were they were impressed. So uh, I got to run Hal Lawrence's backup car, 
the next week. So Hal trusted me enough to put me in his friend's car, not his. <laughs> and then the next week I got to run Hal's car, and I drove for him, oh, shoot, uh, probably almost 10 years uh, after oh, that wow. between Hal Lawrence and, and Harry Macy. Um, well after I got into, you know, bigger stock cars, um, always ran the midgets indoors. Uh, that's, that's a big Northeast thing, um, uh, which they, they still do, uh, in, in Atlantic city, uh, Rhode Island, uh, that, Allentown. That Atlantic city race is a pretty big race. And I hear about that, that it seems like that, every year. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. So, uh, Len Salmon's in the, in the Ariado, uh, racing news team still, still promote those indoor races in the wintertime. And they, they get, uh, you know, a pretty Big uh, contingent of drivers. Uh, Ryan Flores, who's who's a tire changer on, uh, I think he's on on Blaney's or Cindric's car. Works for Penske. He's uh, he's a big name. He comes up there and he runs really really good every year. Uh, Andy Jane Koyak, who's who's running in the Arca Series now. Um, he started running midgets at Lancaster just like I did. You know, a couple years later, but uh, he still you know is is, is hot and heavy into uh, the indoor midget stuff in the wintertime. And uh, Jimmy Blewett, who's a, who's a big uh, NASCAR modified name. You know, he's he's big into it too. So they they still do it. I I retired uh, midget racing in, in 2012. Uh, we won two races in a row uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, and I said I'm I'm done indoor midget racing because it's 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 tough, but it's frustrating. Uh, but that was kind of my start into uh, bigger cars. Well, that's wonderful. So you mentioned it real quick in your passing. I've heard people that. When I when I talk about Stuart Friesen or inquire about Stuart Friesen, they all go, "Oh, Stewie," Where, <laughs> yeah. and you meant you said that a little while ago. Stewie is a, I assume that's your your nickname, and how did you get that? I mean, I yeah, can put I two guess, and two uh, together, but how did? Yeah, from my grandfather, I guess. I mean, it's just easier to say. Um, you know that that's what that's what my my mother calls me and and uh, my father-in-law and, and you know I guess some of my closer <laughs> friends, but um, it is what it is. I'll answer to whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, Bob it's always called me Stewie. It's a it's a cool name, you know. It's it, nice to be considered one of your close friends. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> so, all right. You know, it was it was rather unique back in the day, and uh, I always said that, especially a lot of guys from the Northeast. A lot of guys had nicknames. Yeah. You know, they some paraphrase or something like that, and I always loved it. Well, everybody, there are hardly any nicknames anymore. You know, you look at the NASCAR world. There's nobody that they're. What was your nickname, Mike? No, I, I didn't really have one, but I admired the St. Louis Slayer. Did she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the Missouri Madman. I think I think everybody that runs a late model, a dirt late model, whether you're on the Lucas Oil Tour or World of Outlaw Tour, like everybody that runs a dirt late model has a nickname. Yeah, well, we we did. Uh, we had Jonathan Davenport on here a few weeks ago before his uh, Bristol debut, and. You know the Superman deal, and um, it's just Superman, you're right. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You can't you can't beat that one. No, right? that, that's pretty good, especially when he said he didn't really know how the name came about. You know, except it was on a graphics. Well, Some guy, guy was doing graphics had Superman in his logo, so they just the guy wins almost every time he lines up. So yeah, you know. well he's right. <laughs> Stuart Friesen did did that in the whole modified world for years. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess we'll just proceed on from there. You you ended up doing all those TQ midgets and you know run those indoor mm-hmm. races. You got out of that in 2012. Uh, where do you go from there? How, how how do you how do you go from there? You know because racing is very very challenging. It's hard to get opportunities. It's hard to find sure. money. It's uh, you know we can all have dreams and aspirations, but turning those into reality is pretty hard. So how how did you? Mm-hmm. Uh, take your next step and how did how did you get that opportunity yes yeah, so 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 very interesting um <clears throat> so my dad as well as you know did the racetrack you know they did that uh he drove truck in the winter time um you know my mother uh, worked for a couple of different banks and then uh does does payroll and human resource stuff on on a vineyard uh in niagara on the lake which is a big wine region so uh, my parents are you know definitely hard workers you know didn't have a lot of funding to okay let's just go northeast dirt modified racing you know we're just going to flip the switch and go do it so that that wasn't really an option and i knew that you know early on uh while we were go-kart racing and and then got into the midgets and stuff that that you know some opportunity would need to kind of present itself and um you know my dad always raced a little bit he had he had a pro stock car that he'd run uh you know on sundays at humberstone speedway when he wasn't involved with ranceville and lancaster and you know that and he sold that um, my uncle, as well as being a promoter, he, he raced a little bit himself too. He had, he had a partner, Ray MacGyver. They had a speed shop together. Uh, Ray raced and, and then he sold the tires at, at Ransomville and Lancaster and had a, had a little parts business. 
so he kind of got into the racing side of it, and they had a car. Um, it was a new Bicknell car. He had built it for Syracuse to, to go to, you know, the, the mile race at the Super Dirt Week, you know, and, and be a part of that, the sportsman show every year. So that's, that's the big race. You know, when I was a kid growing up, like I always just wanted to race Super Dirt Week and be a part of that somehow. So my uncle did too, and, and he had this car. Um, unfortunately, he, he passed away in a, in a snowmobile accident uh, in 96. And, you know, that is the car that I started driving was, was his, you know, so they, my grandfather had this car and he said, I don't know what we're going to do with it. We're just going to sell it or whatever. My dad said, well, you know, I'd like to run it on Sundays at, at Cumberstone, you know, we'll just keep the car. And, 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 you know, we brought it home and started working on it and, and got it together. And, um, yeah, so kind of inherited my uncle's car after he passed. And, um, I think my dad drove it for a year and I was doing all the work on it. And finally I, I bitched to my mother enough that I said, this isn't fair. You know, I'm washing this thing, uh, you know, maintain it, getting ready to go. And then dad just is just showing up on Sundays and he gets to drive it. So I was, uh, I think I was 14 or 15 and, and she said, well, why don't you just let Stuart drive it? You know, just, you know, and, uh, that, that's, that's how it started. So I started running that sportsman car. And then at that point I wanted nothing to do with the promotional side uh, of, of the track or working at the track. It, it was kind of funny. It would, it would be like when I was in high school, one summer I'd work at the track, you know, me and my dad would, would, would get in an argument by the end of the summer. I'd quit. The next summer I'd find a different job. I'd work at a gas station. I worked at a candle factory, a um, whole bunch of different stuff. But it was like one year on the track. Oh, hey, I, I, I got to stop you right there. Tell me about the candle factory. <laughs> what did you do at the candle factory? So, so uh, again, you know, I guess uh, my experience in, in the maintenance side of the Speedway um, my resume was pretty good. You know, I could do a lot of different stuff. So got a job at this candle factory. My mother was working in the office there. So uh, I, I had an in, but uh, just did all sorts of different stuff, cleaning the floor, the wax. The wax in a candle factory is, like, intense. There's wax all over everything. You got to clean it up. It, it, The smell is insane because they have all these scented candles. The smell just blends together into, like, the grossest thing you've ever smelled. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so I did that while I was in high school. That was, like, my full-time summer job and then part-time for two years um, in the wintertime while I was in high school. And it was all sorts of stuff, you know, cleaning big these big tanks that, that held the wax. So if you had, like, a red, you had to clean that out, and they'd get ready and put a white in it or a blue, whatever color these candles were. Um, and that's that's where I developed my you know my hatred for candles. Hatred for candles. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, do you have any candles around your house today? <laughs> no, no, they're just terrible. I can't stand the smell of them. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. All right, sorry. I just had to. When you said t- I never had anybody that worked in a candle company before, so yeah, no, definitely, definitely interesting. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. So, for so, sure. Yeah. So so you went from. Uh, from arguing with dad to getting hired by the candle company, probably back with dad or something like that. And yeah, yeah. It went back and forth. Um, but, but at that point, you know, I'd started racing a little bit myself and, um, you know, so started racing at Ransomville on Friday nights. Um, you know, it, not only did we, did we own the track, but it's, it's my favorite track, you know, growing up, it was fun. I got to run uh, Merrittville, which was close to home, Humberstone, which were Merrittville and Humberstone are both on the Canadian side. And then Ransomville was on the American side. And, uh, Ransomville was just my favorite. So, and what size uh, track is that? There. What what's that track look uh, like? It's so it's it's uh, paperclip uh, dirt track, pretty good banks. Um, you know, just under half mile, so pretty good size. Where the the two tracks in Canada are a little bit smaller, so I like the bigger track. And uh, you know, started doing that on on Fridays in in high school, and um, you know that was it. And you know, we didn't really have money to move up or there wasn't I wasn't looking at you know I was probably 18 or 19 and kind of got into that and won a couple races and it was like okay this this is this is it you know we're not gonna you know uh, mortgage the farm here to to go racing um you know I'm getting ready to to graduate high school I'm looking at going to school um got accepted to University of Windsor uh in the science program um that's you know early 2000 so i'm like okay we're, we're gonna stop racing i'm gonna go to school and uh and get a job you know and it's that's gonna be it so um i guess it was my my second year in school we were, we were actually getting ready to sell the race car so i could pay for school um and i had a guy approach me about sponsoring us for a motor you know our motor was kind of wore out and you know didn't like i said we were i was spending all my money all my parents money on going to school um, there wasn't a budget for, for racing. So had a gentleman, um, that hung around the track, uh, you know, approach us and, and sponsored me $10,000 to put a motor together, 
uh, for my my second year. I guess it was my second year of university, and so we, we were able to, to put a motor together and, and go back and race the next year, and that was, I want to say, 2002. T- tell me and how that when, conversation came up. How did a gentleman in come to help you out with some money i that's a an intriguing deal a lot of people ask me you know how do you get help how do you find help at the you know financial help and it's like yeah sometimes you don't know it just happens and it it did it it, it, like you said yeah i wasn't i wasn't really looking for it um so this guy uh his name was bill he owned a convenience store um just outside ransomville and he was a um uh, his, his like normal job, he was like a refrigerator freezer repairman. So uh, my my grandfather called him Freon Bill. Freon Bill. <laughs> so I was hanging out at the track one afternoon and got talking with Freon Bill, and and he was always around and you know would buy a tire here or there or whatever. And uh, he says, I'm, "I'm," he goes, "You need a motor." I'm like, "I I do," you know. And he goes, "I'm going to sponsor your motor. I'll give you ten grand for for a sportsman motor, which is, you know, it's uh." 350 Chevy small block, two-barrel motor. Um, you know, you could either have dart heads or bow tie heads on it, like 230cc heads. And, you know, so it was a pretty decent race motor. You know, made about 500 horse. Um, but it was it was a built motor now. You know what I mean? They run crates in the sports division up here, which, um, you know, are, are significantly less horsepower. But I guess so my story was, you know, uh, Freon Bill helped me out and, and, and you know, kind of kept me racing uh, for the 2002 season. And, um, you know, we ran Ransomville and a couple, you know, Sportsman Series races, which are, are pretty big up here in the Northeast. And the, the Summer Nationals is the big race every year at Ransomville. So my, my uncle started it uh, when he was really young and just getting into promoting. You know, and it was, it was a big uh, 10,000 to win, dirt modified, uh, small block, super dirt car series race. It was every year at Ransomville. So that was, that was a big race. And got talking to a, a friend of mine uh, that had a modified car and um he said yeah you can you can run my modified at, at the nationals and i went okay and he goes yeah just just have your old man and i think he thought we had more money than we did he said just have your old man buy, buy tires for it <laughs> so uh i said dad i said this, this guy dan miller he wants to let me run his, his car which is brand new bicknell uh cc performance you know small block you know modified motor like really good piece and I'd kind of beat him up and, and you know, I'd been around and, 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 you know, got my foot in the door there. And, and I said, we just got to buy, buy a set of rear tires for it. So I was like, cool, there's, there's the end. So I uh, went and ran Miller's car and, uh, and we finished third uh, to Alan Johnson, one who's. Well, that's a big in, in name right there, race. right? And Alan Johnson, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah Alan won. Uh, Dale Plank uh, was second and, and he's been uh, NASCAR modified champion. He ran Uticrome and Fonda. Um, he was a big name in modified racing, so we ran third to those guys. Uh, congratulations! And that that yeah, that was that was it. That 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 opened the door. Um, so the next morning, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike Maroney, who owned a, a taxi company in St. Catharines, Ontario, um, and had fielded cars for Alan Johnson uh, and, and a bunch of different guys over the years. So he had just built this car for for Alan, brand new Bicknell. Um, and Alan was driving for Jake Spraker and Eric Kingsley, two big-name modified owners up here in the Northeast. So Alan, he thought, oh, I'm just building this car for Alan. He's going to come drive for me. We're going to go win a bunch of money like we do every year. And Alan couldn't do it. He was already committed to, to uh, Jake and Eric. So he had another guy kind of driving it. They ran it a couple races, and then I ran good. Mike was there, and then um, – I remember, so the Nationals was on a, on a Tuesday night. Hold that thought right there like, on Tuesday night. Good spot for a timeout. Here we're talking right. to Stuart Friesen. His nickname is Stewie. What else have we learned? We met a guy named Freon Bill. Yeah. What are we going to learn in segment three? <laughs> well, hang around and find out. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. NASCAR Truck Series driver Stuart Friesen is on the line. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. All right, Stewie, we need to pick it up from that Tuesday night. You'd finished third in that big race, and then things were going on. I think I broke you at a Tuesday night. Go from there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the next morning, um, we were home. I was, you know, I was on summer vacation from school, obviously, and I'm home and I'm, I'm in the garage. Um, getting the sportsman car ready. I was going to run it again on, uh, on Friday at Ransomville. So Tuesday night, got to run the modified. Everything went awesome. I was like, okay, that's cool. I don't know where we go from there, right? And it's not even 24 hours later. Um, the phone rings at the house, and, and, and my dad was home. Um, not sure why. I don't know why he wasn't at the track 
grading or getting it turned around, whatever. Must have been early in the morning, something like that. And so he goes, oh, that was Mike Maroney. And I'm like, no way. He goes, um, why don't you drive his modified? What do you think about that? <laughs> I, I put down my wrenches and I said, this Worsen car is going to sit on jack stands. Like, yeah, yeah, tell him yes. So he goes, well, he wants you to come over and meet with him. Uh, his daughter, Lisa, ran the team and uh, had a couple good crew guys and, and um, a couple guys. I, I drove a couple different sportsman cars. Um, this one guy, John McKinney. So they, they had the car at John McKinney's shop. Um, another friend, Randy Mallory, uh, who was friends with my dad, he, he crewed on it. Um, on the sportsman car that, that John had that, that I talked myself into that ride a couple times. And then, um, hey, so, can, so Maroney's can, car was there. Can I ask you something before we go any farther? I just heard you say, so up in the Northeast, at least back in that era, and I don't know what it is today, did, did your buddies or people just help because it was fun to help or did everybody want absolutely. to get paid? No, absolutely. So on my sportsman car, I had, uh, my good buddy, Mikey Davies, um, who grew up, you know, his dad was a pit steward at Humberstone. So he grew up in the pits and at the tracks, just like I did, you know, we just were same age and just had to make friends, you know, cause you did. And, uh, so he crew chief the sportsman car. Then I had a, had a buddy, uh, Tyler that, that I went to high school with, um, that didn't know he didn't grow up in racing, but he knew we got to go racing and then come back and sit in the garage and drink beer afterwards. So he was into that part of it. <laughs> And he was a really good crew Got the member. Beer drinking down. Does that remind you of anybody, Mike? <laughs> yeah. I, so I, when we started doing this show, that's what I told him. I work for beer, dude. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you had beer in the fridge in the garage, and, and you know people show up to, to drink it, and then sometimes you know you can get them to do something on the race car. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but it just it ties into stories how racing's progressed and changed, went forward, backwards. You know, I grew up with people that would just go to racetrack with me, love going to racetrack, and they were thrilled if you mm -hmm. bought their pit pass for them, you know. And uh, now it's like ugh, go to Hickory Motor Speedway right here, and, you know, somebody wants four or $500 a night to go help you run a late model car. And it's like, right. what is all this about? Yeah, you know, what happened to the fun of this? So uh, I'm sorry I, I stopped you there. It, it's but, still uh, like that up here in the Northeast. I mean, uh, like I said, our, our truck shop's in Statesville, um, and, and I get that part of it. But up here in the Northeast in modified country, um, it, it's hot and heavy. I mean, I, have, I do have, uh, you know, a hired gun crew chief, Tommy Conroy, who, who takes care of all the modified stuff that, that's here in the shop with me every day. Um, but we have a, a ton of volunteers that come. Jay Cashmore, who does tires, who's, who's a legend in the in the modified business. Um, you know, he, he's awesome. He you know grew up racing with Brett Hearn his whole life, and, and we're lucky to have Jay the last four or five years. Uh, Brian Burkhart, who's another volunteer. There, like I said, there's there's four or five guys that we have. Just guys and love you know, coming to race, right? Love love doing it. Um, you know, like to drink a beer afterwards at the end of the day or end of the night or whatever, and and um, you know we all get along. So it's. It, 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 I def, I'm definitely lucky to have a good group of guys, um, you know, from when I was a kid racing sportsman car to to now, you know, that, that love it just as much as I do. Oh, great. Okay, so let's go back to the modified where the gentleman called you you couldn't believe and you're working at his shop because when I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so um, Mike, Mike called and, um, yeah, said, said come over and talk, and, and we talked, and and uh, we went modified racing, and, and the sportsman. I never sat in the sportsman car again until until I sold it about three years later. I mean, we still had it in the garage, but um, went racing for Mike, and that was I guess 2003. Uh, end of this, so from like August 2003 to um, the end of October to the end of the season, I, I drove for him, and uh, you know he took me all over. Took me to Fonda Speedway, where, where which is home now for me. Uh, we went to the, you know the big McDonald's weekend. We went to Eastern States. We uh, we didn't run Syracuse just because he had the one car and one motor, uh, but we ran the satellite races, uh, which happens every year around Super Dirt Week at Brewerton and, and Fulton and Weedsport. We ran those races and, you know, did pretty well. Um, we, we went to Quebec like the next week. So he calls on a Wednesday. Um, I'd ran, I think I ran Merrittville that Saturday night, my first time in the car. Then we went to Quebec and ran Edelweiss and... Shoot, I forget if we went to. to Man, Frog Town I'm telling Frog you what Town. you've done so far. But, you you haven't hit many walls in your life because you got a hell of a memory. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's fun to talk about it. This is stuff I haven't talked about in in, in years. Like, um, so I'm, I'm. This is cool. I, 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 this is fun for me to, to talk about. Hopefully, I'm not I'm not boring you guys. But, no, very exciting. Um, yeah, so so that's how we got started and uh, went to Quebec and I got some seat time, just a couple nights, a uh, hundred lap races. We came back to Ransomville the next Friday, and we won. You know, it was like my fourth modified race. And 
it was kind of like, whoa, okay, we can do this. You know, uh, the Maronis, they were fired up. Um, like I said, so we finished out the year. They brought me to a bunch of big races, and, and we did okay. I mean, we won two at Ransomville that year, but we didn't win any on the road per se, but we did well. So end of the year, uh, you know, I go back to school in Windsor, and I'm, you know, so I'm living in Windsor, um, which is Western Ontario, out by Detroit, and then driving back on the weekends to run their car, you know, in, in New York um, on Saturdays or wherever for, for that fall. So I go back to school, and it's like November, and I get a, a I just got a cell phone. I remember, and I'm like, nobody even had the number, and uh, and I get a call on my cell phone, and um, it's a gentleman named Dale Madsen. Uh, Brett Hearn had drove for them. They had the number twenty uh, Madsen overhead doors, dirt modified. They're Big time, big time team, you know, super established. And Dale calls and he says, "Hey, um, he, he was part of the team with his his older brother and um, uh, and his nephew Brian, who who ran the team. They they still have cars today. Their their son Dylan's driving now. So, anyways, they call and they're like, they wanted to hire me and they wanted to like pay me actual money to race, you know. So I went and ran from Maroney's and it was just like, this is awesome. I don't want any money. Just put it back into the car, you know and they were like, we're going to hire you. We want you to work in the shop during the week. It was it was a couple hundred dollars, 250 bucks a week, and, and we'll pay you 25% of the money. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. I, I, <laughs> I went to heaven. You know, I'm going to get to finish out school and then move to New York and uh, and race. And um, that was it. So I, I, had to, I had to call Maroney's. They had already bought a second car. They were looking at, like, all right, we're going to get a big block next year. We're going to have two small block cars. We're all in. And I'm like, these guys – these guys want to do even more race and then they want to pay me. I'm like, I, I, I mean, I got to quit. Right. So I, I, I had to quit Maroney's deal. So, and, hey, um, so when you called Maroney's and told them that you were going to leave, first of all, for you, was that hard to do? Was, that was extremely hard to do. Yeah. And then when you told them you were leaving, what was their response? They were not happy. Okay. I had, I had to call uh, Mike's daughter, Lisa, like I said, who ran the team. Um, and, you know, she was like a big sister, right? Like just took care of me when we were on the road, when we, you know, we just started racing together. And um, I had to say, look, I, I got this really, really good opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to drive you guys next year. And she was not happy. Hmm. Not, she's like, like, yell. Like it was, it was heated. You know, I'm 19, 20 years old and I'm like, had to make this call. And it was, you know, they, they, they put a lot into me. They had already, like I said, bought another car. They were like getting motors lined up for the next year and stuff. And, um, I mean, it's all good. We're, we're we're still friends now. I mean, it's good. They put Danny Johnson, the doctor, drove for them the next year, and they won a bunch of races. Um, so it was it was good, you know. Uh, but but yeah, it was, that was def- definitely a tough phone call. I just asked you that because a lot of people don't realize all the challenges that go in to trying to become a, a really good race car driver. You have to, you know, you have to pass on some opportunities or move on from some opportunities to get better. Or you screw mm-hmm. up and don't pass, or you don't take the new opportunity, right? And it doesn't improve your career. You're like, why did you I don't just... take it? You always look back and go, "Geez, I should have." Right? The key word is opportunity, yeah. and everybody in business has to understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's not but... personal, Mike. There's, there's <laughs> choices every day. I mean, you make tough choices in life, right? Right. No matter what you do every day, yep. you know, being a, a racer or a parent or, or whatever, um, life's all about those choices. So. Yeah. That was that was when I I just wanted to move away. I thought it'd be super cool, you know, to live um, south of Albany, New York, which is so I, I'm I'm living in Windsor, which is four hours west of where I grew up in Niagara, and now I'm going to move four hours east um, the next summer. So, but I was going to get to travel and go on the road and and you know race all over the the Northeast, Pennsylvania, New York, up into Quebec, like I said, and um, New Jersey, and run run these tracks and and. Um, and learn and, and so that's that's what i did so apparently years, you had uh, a, you had a ton of success at the fonda speedway whereabouts is that in in relation to ransomville and some of these other places so that's that's uh, about four hours east so gotcha. so i live um upstate new york now and uh, i live about 15 minutes south of fonda speedway mm-hmm. <clears throat> so so nobody's convinced you that you need to move south to uh, race your truck you don't do that <laughs> You're in a good no, position. No, I mean, you get to stay stay where you grew up. I love it. <laughs> more or less, um, you know, it's something that, that my wife, Jess, and I have, have talked about. But it just, I mean, I don't know. It just hasn't came to that yet. 
I mean, don't I'm, don't I'm push it, man. Like... You got it going perfect. <laughs> right. No, no. Like I said, I enjoy being down there. I was just down there for the, the last three weeks. Um, we ran Bristol, Martinsville. Uh, stayed down there. We did our, our AIM Autism Golf Tournament last Monday. And so I was down there for three weeks, but it was it was honestly nice to to get out of there and come home and run the modified this past weekend. It was it was kind of refreshing. I'm I'm going to get back onto your career in just a second, but since you mentioned your golf tournament, I would just like to pass on to you. I had a couple, and you can explain the golf tournament if you want now or in a little bit. But I had a couple mm-hmm. buddies that played in a golf tournament and attended it, and they said they had so much fun. It was so awesome. well orchestrated. Their exact words. You got to go. They're talking to me. You got to go next year if he has it. He we says would love to have you. That it, would be awesome. It was so much fun. You haven't seen him play golf. Yeah, but I, man, that's okay. <laughs> I can do a hell of a foursome pitcher. I know how to stand there for that foursome pitcher. Drive the beer cart. But yeah, I think you guys yeah. had a five fivesome or something they had. Or something. But uh, yeah, we did. So so we do a captain and crew deal. You know where we pair a foursome with a NASCAR racer. We call it a celebrity, but just anybody in, in NASCAR uh, can come and play, whether they're, they're media or retired racers or current racers, whatever. Um, and it's fun. You know, it's, it's a great day. And, and we raised over $60,000 um, for our foundation, AIM Autism, um, which aims the funds right back to families and kids and schools, you know, that need that funding. So we've donated, oh, boy, well over $200,000 to uh, the Crossroads Center for Children, which is which is close to us here in New York, um, in Schenectady, where where our son Parker went when he was, oh boy, from a year and a half to three years old, you know. So um, he was diagnosed on the spectrum, and and he needed ABA therapy and, and early intervention, and he was able to get that through Crossroads. It did wonders for him. He's in first grade now, and he's um, just doing great. You know, he doesn't even really fit that diagnosis anymore. So and it's it's due to the great teachers and and. Um, uh, staff that that were in his life early on, and he he got what he needed, and um, so we're just trying to use our our platform to spread that word and and, and raise money for those schools. They're they're private schools, and they need all the funding they can get, and uh, they've been able to turn around and hire some teachers and do some good stuff with with the money we've able, been able to raise. That's so awesome. That's, so uh, that, that's so our story, and that's why we do it. Where does your golf tournament take place? Uh, so we've done it. We just uh, finished our second one. And we did that Trump National, uh, Ooh, which is a beautiful course, fancy, right, yeah. right outside, right outside Mooresville. You know, so it's it's definitely expensive to have the tournament there, but it's it's a beautiful place. It's a members only deal um, that not a lot of people can can play at, right? So it's cool. Uh, I have a lot of buddies that come down from New York. There's there's people from from all over the place that that come to the tournament. Um, they get to get to play at Trump and and you know meet meet racers and, and, and different people in the industry um and, and have a have a really good day so that's awesome it was uh it was a lot of fun mike and, and jeff, i can jeff be and the whole team did a great job mike so, and i could be media celebrities next yeah. year jeff's absolutely <laughs> you, you guys are in I'm, I'm i'm putting you on the list already there you go. jeff's a big golfer and every week i where, where'd you play golf at this weekend or this thursday and he's i play he's, at least once a week Stuart. and so uh, wow cool I'm, but, I'm retired, so yeah. So I just wanted to this. pass that on to you because there's a lot of golf tournaments that go on. The guys go and they're like, just another golf tournament, you know. We did our deal, and but uh, rave reviews about your tournament. So congratulations! And at the end of the show, I'd like you to uh, give us any more information where somebody can maybe help donate some additional funds or whatever to the cause. But let's let's uh, let's take a break. Jeff. Sure. Take a time out. We'll come back and we'll wrap it up with Stuart Friesen with one more segment. You're listening to Fast Card and NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Card and NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We'll go round a track one more time with Stuart Friesen. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Stuart, as you can tell, I kind of jump around. I have no script, so I threw the golf tournament in there. But let's get back. That was fun. To, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's Jeff's alley, the golf <laughs> golf world. But uh, and make sure you count us in for next year. But uh, tell us how Absolutely. your life progressed on. You know, you got those great opportunities, and uh, fast forward us through the dirt and mod because you, you become a star in that that racing world. For sure. So, so I got the the break to go race for Madsons. You know, I was still finishing up school, um, and that kind of got me in the door. You know, once once they hired me, um, you know, to race. I, you know, I'd went back during the time I was driving for them and, and raced for Dan Miller a whole bunch. Who, who I, you know, I got that first start with that we did good, and, and I was kind of like in the door as far as all right, this guy, this guy's a hired gun. I can hire him to drive my car. So, 
um, between the years of 2007, 2008. Um, so I went to drive for Madsen for two years. They fired me the second year. You know, I was a big block rookie, tore up some stuff, you know, but I learned a lot. So I was able to, like, I, and I joke with them now, we're good friends. I, I said, I learned on your dime, and it's your guys' fault that, that this is what I do for a living. But uh, so graduated school, got my Bachelor of Science. Uh, I guess it was winter of 2007. Uh, being gone and, and racing, I missed a lot of classes, so it took me four and a half years, almost five years, to get my four-year degree. What's but, a uh, Bachelor of Science do for you on a quick quick scenario? What's that? What's that? Yeah, about? not much, honestly. <laughs> uh, it, 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 yeah, not much uh, in the racing world, but just the whole university experience taught me how to live on my own, how to learn, how to, you know, how to get through, how to kind of persevere through through different challenges. That was the biggest thing I took from school was learning how to learn and, and, and how to solve problems. So it's probably something I use more than I even think, you know, just that whole uh, school experience. So, gotcha. Um, yeah, second year with Madsen, they let me go. I would went and raced for a team uh, up in northern New York. Like I said, once I kind of had my foot in the door as a driver, I, I knew a lot of different teams, and it's it's very old school up here in the northeast. There's There's – people that field teams and they're looking for drivers or, or, you know, hungry young kids that that'll, that'll drive. So uh, I was able to bounce around and drive for a bunch of different people. Um, you know, met my wife, Jessica, uh, throughout all that, you know, we, she had raced herself at, at Uticrome and, and still races. She ran her modified, uh, this past weekend, but met her, um, while doing that. And we dated off and on for, you know, almost 10 years before, you know, we kind of settled down and got married. And, um, so I guess about 2009, 2010, um, I'd kind of gotten to a rhythm where I was driving for four or five different guys. Um, one guy on Friday nights, one on Saturday nights, one on Sundays at Utica. Oh, wow. And I'd done that for about five years in a row. So I could run a hundred races a year, uh, race three nights a week, even more. There's a lot of midweek racing up here, uh, and the modified stuff in the summertime. So I could run the midweek races, uh, and, and not burn out a car owner. You know, not one car owner was fielding the car for a hundred races a year. That's cool. You know, they were, okay. they were all doing... 25 or so so you know i had probably five or six cars in the fleet but you know different guys owned them it was different teams um so everything kind of stayed fresh so i'd done that uh like i said 2010 i had tad parks tom cohen uh jeff daly marty burdick uh then i was driving doug emery's sprint car uh 360 sprint car on the side too and, and winning some races with that and uh 2015 like i said met jess we had built a house everything's like rolling this is what i'm gonna do nascar's not even not even in my realm of thought you know so um quick story so when i was living in old forge uh, old forge new york was living there had some rides kind of piecemeal together um was nice the the buzz chew team who had ran bush north series brian chew um ran the bush north and they they ran out of inlet new york oddest place in the world to run a, a bush north team out of but that's where their crew chief spot was from that's where they're still from and they were nice enough to let me work out of their shop because I had a couple cars, no shop to work out of. Um, so they had some bush cars in there, and I'm like, oh, man, if I just win, like, every modified race, somebody will call, and I'll, they'll put me in a bush car or they'll put me in a truck or something, right? And and these guys were in it, and they knew, you know, Spot's really good friends with Greg Zipidelli, and he's, he's like, I'm like, this is my connection. These guys know people. <laughs> and they're like, no, that's not how it works. I'm like, what are you talking about? If I win every modified race next year, somebody's got to call, right? They're like, no, 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 no. You're making, they're like, listen, you're making good money. Can concentrate on what you're doing with the modified stuff and you can make a good living race. And it, the NASCAR stuff, forget about it. You know, you don't have the sponsorship. You don't have the the family funding or whatever to get your foot in the door. I'm like, okay. So I'd got that and just went racing, you know, and, and, and was doing really well. Like I said, I had some great guys that I drove for, great, great guys that crewed on the cars. Uh, my best friends would travel with me. You know, Jess and I, you know, built a life and built a house and, you know, got pregnant. We're doing good. We're, we're stable. You know, we, we want to have a kid. So she's pregnant. We were running in 2015, um, winning a ton of races, doing really, really well. And uh, at the end of the year, uh, we go to Eastern States at Middletown. And um, so Chris Larson had, had a, a pretty good splash in, in the modified world at that point. You know, he, he had fielded a big team at Syracuse. Um, a couple of different guys drove for him. Jimmy Horton drove the car at, at Syracuse. And um, the guy that kind of ran the team, Willie Ockmoody, um, who has his own cup team right now with, with Floyd Mayweather. So Willie was, was managing Chris's team. He came up to me and he says, Chris Larson wants to 
wants to talk to you about maybe driving for him next year. I said, boy, man, this is, I, I already thought I had the world by the balls, you know, the way, <laughs> the way it was driving for these guys. And, and, um, you know, everybody just got along really good. The guys I was driving for, the, the thing, the thing worked right. So we met at Eastern States and we chatted a little bit and, and we didn't talk anything about racing, which I thought was odd, but it was like comfortable. I was like, man, I, I like this guy. He's, he's cool. He's, he's, he's older. He's, he's definitely a father figure. Um, so we went, I went down to his office and met with him, you know, down in New York city where his construction company's based. And, and then we started talking racing and it was like, okay, how can we do this? I'm like, man, I'm doing good with where we're at, but I, I don't really want to make a move. You know what I mean? I'm like, things are going good. So, um, Chris was, was like, okay, whatever you want to do, he goes, I'm in. I'm like, wow. Okay. So we, we kind of unified all the modified stuff, um, had to break up with a couple guys, which was with another couple tough conversations um but we had some equipment so two of the guys came on board with chris's deal the first year so so the cars that we started racing were already cars that had laps in and and stuff that i had and then we bought some more stuff bought a couple motors and so went went racing for for chris full-time in 2016 and and part of that first conversation was how about that eldora truck race he's like man that would be cool to go there and do that dirt race at eldora and i'm like okay bud you're full of shit <laughs> you know like <laughs> this isn't gonna happen but if i can run modifieds for you and work out of one shop and not have to drive around all week long to three different shops this, this might be a little bit better deal than what i got right so i'm looking at the modified side of it and in his head he's looking big picture and i'm like i don't eat yeah, right so i come home and i'm like jess this, you know chris mentioned doing the outdoor truck race she's like yeah right you know that, that's not gonna happen <laughs> sure enough it, it got close to eldora and uh, a couple months out and he brought it up again i'm like okay so do we call and i didn't know i wasn't in the industry right so i didn't know who fielded teams i didn't know who duke thorson was i didn't know thor sport was even a race team you know i was like so into the northeast modified stuff i'd kind of put nascar out of my brain you know right and um i'm like okay so i know mittler's kind of you can do like a rent-a-ride deal right and, mm -hmm. or, or you know get with mike mittler i knew carl edwards that drove for him um i knew that was like a guy that would probably give us a shot you know so i, I mentioned that to chris i said well we could you know maybe i'll just call this mike mittler guy out of the blue and see if he's got an extra truck and we could rent it you know and, and go do it and he's like no 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 no. i, I want to buy a truck and i want to buy a motor and i want to have my own stuff i'm like oh god okay <laughs> <laughs> now i really know nothing about what, what this is about but um but you know myself and willie Ockmoody, um you know i'm buddies with gary blue and so gary knows everybody and uh we bought a truck from uh for, or we bought two trucks from chad boat um he was just kind of getting out of the truck stuff and going you know starting his usac team at that point that was 2016 bought a couple trucks and and got some motors from uh from childress and um, worked out of Billy Hess's shop uh, right down there um, in Mooresville. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we, we, we went and did Eldora. And Chris's thing was, he goes, if we have fun, we might do more of this. I'm like, okay, if you have fun, we're going to do more. Because, yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to have like, fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm signed up. Like, I'm in, bud. So, uh, yeah, we did Eldora and then um, ran well. The, the oil cooler broke and uh, rubbed on the steering box and got a hole in it. So put us out. But. We ran, I think, around like fifth, sixth. We ran pretty good. And uh, then we went and did, what was the first payment race? I think we went to Bristol after that, and it was like, all right, I can jump into one of these things and hustle it just as fast as anybody else, right? No big deal. Got there, and it was like, woo, we're like 28th in practice. And I'm like, whoa, okay, this is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> um, but we anyway, we qualified, ran the whole race. It, it physically killed me. Like, I, I used Chad Boat's seat with no insert in it thinking oh, i just sit in the seat no big deal i don't you know use an insert in my dirt car this is no big deal so um that was not the way to do it you know it beat the crap out of me but uh but we got going and that's that's where it started so um that was 2016 we ran five races and and uh it's just kind of snowballed from there and we got hooked up with with tommy baldwin and then got into um got into uh you know racing with gms um in 18 and 19 and gotten when I, when I got in the gms truck it was like Oh boy, this thing is this thing is for real. Like this is what I've been missing for two years. You know, like going to like you know we're running thirteenth to fifteenth in a truck, and I'm like physically exhausted at the end of the race. And then you get in the good equipment, and you're running top five, and it's like man, I could run a two 
200 more miles. You know what I mean? And, and I'm sure you know what that's all about. <laughs> I got I to gotta add something to that. So I, I struggled through my career a lot of times. I had one truck races, one Xfinity. And the cup deal, I always just run a so-so car. But I got to drive mm-hmm. for Roger Penske as a teammate to my brother Rusty in 2001. I drove. They got rid of Jeremy Mayfield. And I got in that car, and it was like, holy shit. I'm driving easier than I ever have, except I'm running up front. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's like pitch strategy was incredible. Just everything about the team was incredible. And the guys working on it, it's like, now I know how these guys run up front. It's not as hard as it is to run in the back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just cars, people, equipment is just incredible. All right, enough of that about that. Race fans don't really understand. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah. It, exactly. That's that's the name of the game, right? So yeah. once I got in the, one of the GMS trucks and we, and we raced, you know, we partnered up with them, with Halmar and, and, and Maury Gallagher and Mike Beam and those guys and got to run some some good equipment. It was like, oh, boy, okay. Here, now now we can win some races. And um, I gave a couple away, speed on pit road and some stupid stuff, and then, and we finally won uh, at Eldora in 2019, and then won at, at Phoenix at the end of the year. And and um, you know, Chris was like, "Okay, let's 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 go deeper into this. Let's you know, let's start our own team. You know, let's let's make an investment so there's there's some assets. You're not just doing um, I call it a pay to play, but mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're you're basically sponsoring somebody else's team. But Correct. it was good. It got us got us the the experience we needed. And um, you know, in 2020, we started our own team, and uh, we're in our fourth year of that. And it was kind of like starting from scratch again it was like oh man we got to figure out how to get these trucks set up and, and what bodies to get on them and and all that kind of kind of stuff that comes along with it but um here we are and we, we got some really good stuff and and, uh, and an established team and it's it's um awesome to be a part of nascar and a, and a part of the truck series and um you know like i said represent Helmar. we've got ferris commercial mowers on board right now it's really really cool and exciting to represent those guys and um have them as partners and and we're just uh you know doing the best we can I need a back deal on a mower just to let you know while we're talking <laughs> about it. But uh, t- tell me, and if you don't mind, if you got a few more minutes, we're going to run over a little bit. And I want to run over because it's, your, your stories are so cool. So Chris Larson, right, that's the gentleman who owns Halmar, or, right, mm-hmm. owns your team. Yeah. How, how has he been since, like when you won those races, did, did he get more energized or did he just stay on a kind of an even plateau or – is he just all in? I mean, is I, I no, think definitely. He... Yeah, I mean, definitely. The goal is is running up front and winning, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not a lot of fun running fifteenth to twentieth. Um, you know, we knew like like so after we won with GMS, it was like, okay, I know what a good truck feels like, so we sh- should be able to duplicate this right on our own. Well, it took us a year, you know, of struggling. You know, then we had COVID, so we didn't have practice, so we were, you know, if we missed on heights or we're dragging the splitter off of it, we just run the whole race dragging the splitter off of it, you know, and be like, oh, damn, we got to come back next week and try to fix it, you know, for the next track. Right. But so it, it took us a little bit of, of time to grow. And, and Chris was really cool with with going through those growing pains. Like, like he understands it, you know. He, he's a businessman, but he, he gets it that things don't just happen overnight. And you just don't snap your finger and, and buy yourself a win, right? So um, it's it's been fun. You know, Trip Bruce has been with us through the GMS days and, and you know, now is, is our manager and, and does a great job. Uh, we got a lot of good guys in the shop. Um, I worked with Trip uh, over at Everham. There you go. Yeah, we got a bunch of guys that, that were part of Eric Wakeland who was there. Um, you know, he, he's uh, one of our best fabricators, and it's, it's a good group of guys we got. Yeah, Trip and I ran second in St. Louis together. Look at you. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> so... It is very cool. I'm very happy, very proud for you, man, for everything you're doing. Tell me real quick, though, I hear, like, let's just say you, you run Texas on a Friday night. I hear the next day that you're in New York running the mod. Uh, you're, you're still doing a lot of that back and forth. You run the truck, and then you go somewhere to run your modified, or how's that working? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I make half my living running the truck and the other half racing the modified, so um, it's still something I need to do and I, and I love doing, um, and, and it fits, it keeps me sharp, um, you know, on, on those off weeks, you know, we'll run four or five races in a row with the truck schedule and then you're off for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever the way the schedule, you know, I mean, the schedule works out. So, um, there's still an opportunity to run a lot of those modified races. Uh, like I said, Tommy Conroy does a great job taking care of the modified stuff when, when I'm away and, and, um, yeah, so we'll run a truck race on a, on a Friday night. And I'll grab a commercial flight, fly back to Albany, New York, and you know, be at Fonda, or uh, or wherever on on a Saturday night or Sunday or midweek, and 
um, you know, this time of year, everything's starting to pick up. So we ran Utica, Rome, and Fonda this past week. And uh, we'll do that again next week and then, you know, go back truck racing for a couple weeks. Well, look there, Jeff. I was wrong. I told Jeff you must have had your own corporate jet or Halmar's got a jet, and, <laughs> but you uh, fly commercially. So. I, I wish. We're not We're not quite at that level. Um, there's been a couple races where, where Chris has said, you know, you got to get back. You know, obviously he's involved with, with Middletown, um, Orange County Fair Speedway. So there's been a couple big races where he's like, I got to get you back for that. So, um, you know, he's chartered a plane and, we, and we've done done that deal. But uh, no, a lot of it's just you know commercial stuff back and forth, and um, I fly down to the truck shop uh, quite regularly, and uh, you know I can leave my house at, at four o'clock in the morning, be at the airport, and then be in the truck shop by nine o'clock or on the simulator by eleven or whatever, and then fly home that night. So it's it's a little bit extra travel, but you know like I said, I, I love where we're at, where we built our house up here, and um, it's just it's just all part of it. So it's it's a dream to be able to do honestly, and it's. Uh, you know, because of a lot of great car owners along the way um, that I got to talk about a bunch of them, which was cool, and and uh, a lot of great supporters and friends and, and family and um, all that. So that's that's kind of how we got here and and uh, why we do it and why we love doing it. Hey, Stuart, tell the fans how they can reach out to you if they want to learn more about your charities, your golf tournaments, or, or or anything you've got going on. Do you have a website? Yeah, we do. So you can check out hfrraceforautism.com. Um, we have all our information from the golf tournament on there. Um, there's another aim-autism.com is another site um, that talks about the AIM Autism Foundation. And, um, you know, what we do, we have a chicken barbecue that we do at Fonda Speedway every year in the summer. So that's coming up. That'll be our next event. And, uh, yeah, the golf tournament is, is a ton of work. Uh, but but Jess and, and her whole team, uh, Beth Baldwin and, and Janet Bodine, helps us out with that. So it's they have a they have a great team there and, and and it's a lot of work but like i said it's a ton of fun and uh really really glad to hear that that the guys that you talked to had a good time so um it was cool we had a, a little like breakfast bar deal that i thought was kind of new unique where you could get a get a bloody mary or a screwdriver or a mimosa um and have a drink talk to your buddies um that, that was kind of cool we had some music playing before we even teed off so it, it kind of set the atmosphere Early in the day, and then everybody tees off about ten thirty, eleven o'clock. That's had some of that some of that swing lube that we like, Mike. Swing juice, <laughs> swing juice. I had, uh, coach in the can. Yeah, you. Yeah. If you if I don't want to play golf, I want to drive the uh, golf cart around for mulligans and make sure there's liquor on board because I'll make you more money. Yeah, through through swing juice, we call it. Yeah. Absolutely, it's, it's all part of it. So that's the thing about a golf tournament, right? When you go and you do this tournament with all these you know personalities or whatever, and you got a lot of friends out there. Well, then you get playing, and you only see your, your foursome, right? Like, you don't get the kind of bullshit with your buddies or whoever else is in the tournament. So to have that, uh, you know, a little bit of a, of a, you know, cocktail hour before the tournament, and then we do a, a party, an auction, um, that freight auction sponsored. So, so Marcus was there and did the, did the auction. So that before and after deal was just a ton of fun, and uh, we were able to raise a lot of money. So it was, it was a good deal. Looking forward to it next year. Yeah. yeah. So, Stuart, thank you. <laughs> thank your Halmar team. I appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story. And we'd love to have you back on sometime and uh, go win some more races. There you go. Uh, absolutely. Just a definite honor and a, and a pleasure chatting with you guys. Thank you, Stuart. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.